What is up guys? Welcome to episode 50 of the Triage Method podcast. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about food. I'm here in Paddy Farrell's house, so the internet should be good and Paddy's rubbing my leg here as we're recording the podcast. How are you, Paddy? I'm 100% not rubbing your leg here, Um, but I am. Fantastic. Um, But yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about nutrition. We have been talking about training stuff the last few times, the last while. It's been good, but you know yourself, it gets boring. Um, But we're going to talk about nutrition. Nutrition? Nutrition. Of course, nutrition. Nutrition. Um, And we're going to talk about nutrition specifically in the context of nutrition as medicine. Right, because everyone always likes to quote, you know, Hippocrates or whatever that Boyo was, and he's like, you know, let thy food be thy medicine, you know, and you see this play out, and essentially, the way I view it, anyway, we don't know about Gary because he's quite simple-minded, um, uh, the way I see it is people essentially talk past each other in this conversation. They don't actually have a cohesive, nuanced argument or not argument discussion about the topic at hand and as a result you get shit information from both sides both the medical professionals obviously not all of them and then also the we'll call them nutrition experts whatever nutrition advocates um so they essentially talk past each other right so gary what are your thoughts on this overall discussion yeah, so like you were saying, um, I think there's kind of two extremes to this perspective and both of them are wrong and obviously the right answer lies somewhere in the middle ground. Um, so like you were saying, there's people who would have the perspective that when it comes to you know disease or illness or whatever, that nutrition is just soft, not something we should be worried about and instead you know it's just uh, medicine good, surgery good and nutrition, nah, that's just Forget a stupid it. soft thing, we don't need to worry about that. Um, and obviously there's some validity to that in some sense and then on the other side of things you've got you know your kind of general like functional medicine type of people who say that all drug research is funded by big pharma and doctors are trying to kill you and cancer was invented and, and all this sort of stuff and that it's all just nutrition you know and that's all that matters which is clearly very wrong but again they might have some good things to say again and the kind of perspective in the middle that is probably the soundest perspective um, is one that I've heard best formalized by, you just said, nutrition advocate, but that's his Instagram name, the nutritional advocate, Alan Flanagan. But basically... Never he, heard of her. <laughs> never heard of her. But, but you know, Alan, Alan basically makes the point that, um, you know, the, the biggest place for nutrition is in that prevention, but medicine still has, plays a very important role in disease in illness in sickness etc because obviously there is a point where nutrition is only going to do so much if you're already sick you already have disease so hence nutrition really plays the most potent role in terms of primary prevention yeah and this this is essentially the two people talking past each other they have you have the people that are talking about preventative medicine um and then you also have the people that are talking about traditional medicine which is essentially sick care right there obviously all falls under the umbrella of healthcare, but the way especially western medicine looks at healthcare is they look at sick care like they don't really care about the preventative stuff like and i'm gonna say that as a throwaway comment now but then i'm gonna come back to it they don't really care about the preventative stuff and what they really care about is 
the the sick care so the western medicine really really fucking good you break your bone you break something you fucking are broken in some way physical awesome for that you know like they'll set your bone they'll set you straight they'll fucking do whatever the fuck is needed to get you back moving correctly right awesome for that same with if you get a disease you know they're like oh we have all these different medicines to help treat that disease you know some more effective than others blah 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 but really 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 fucking good at you have a disease how can we treat that disease so that you can go back living your life you know and of course that you don't die you know and now obviously we can get into arguments about medical negligence and blah 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 but obviously if the stakes are high the outcomes can be worse as a result like you know this is again the the topic when we talk about preventative medicine like the stakes aren't as high like you're not talking about life and death so you make a mistake as a preventative medicinal healthcare professional whatever the fuck you want to call yourself and nothing really happens nothing really bad happens not like you're killing people you know whereas you make a mistake as a doctor you know the potential is there to kill people so it's it's very easy to lambast that population because the stakes are much higher, you know? And again, that's not saying that people don't make mistakes, but you know yourself. Anyway, so you look at that, they have that that sick care model where they're looking at people purely from the perspective of how do we treat disease, right? And even in, like I, like I study biochemistry, like the way we look at biochemistry, the way it's taught is all about sick care, you know? Like it's all about, oh, here's this disease, here's this like uh, physiology of this disease and here's the treatment methods we bring in for that disease nowhere do they discuss like preventative stuff you know like it's not even part of the conversation you know and again this is where the people start talking past each other because you have these advocates that are talking about preventative medicine and you have these advocates that are talking about like traditional medicine so preventative healthcare and then sick care right and both obviously have good points on both sides you know and we'll get into a few of those from both sides now in a second but if you just want to turn this podcast off now essentially what we're advocating for is both should learn from the good points from each other take the good points from each other use the tool that is appropriate to the job and that's it pretty straightforward right um but yeah so i threw away a comment there where i was like oh prevented or sick care that sick care model traditional western medicine doesn't really care about preventative medicine now obviously that's not wholly true because there are some aspects of we'll say that traditional western medicine that does obviously care about preventative stuff right like they do in, like you go to your gp they're like oh you know your your blood pressure is getting a little bit high not quite something to worry about but here's a few things that you can do to potentially help that move in the right direction you know and obviously again like that's there's a load of other things like that that they do they're like oh here's your bmi you know you're not in a bad range you're in the healthy range but you know potentially you're edging towards like they've been your primary care you know gp for the last 10 years and they've noted like oh yeah like you're slowly creeping up in that bmi range or that whatever whatever the scale weight whatever fuck it is right so they're like yeah look here's a few things we can do maybe it is medicine maybe it's just some lifestyle modifications but that's again preventative you know they want to stop you getting into the 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 high high blood pressure ranges the bad blood glucose management ranges you know that kind of stuff they give you some preventative stuff or essentially it, it is treatment stuff but 
to stop you getting into the the overall bad ranges you know or quote unquote bad ranges you know so western medicine does obviously still care about the preventative stuff but the people that are advocating for nutrition as thy medicine focus way more on the preventative stuff and i think also they miss a beat to an extent because they also don't talk about the nutritional support you could give to someone that is in a diseased state you know like they kind of just talk in extremes you know and this obviously doesn't serve anyone again they just start talking past each other or they come out with outlandish claims right so we'll, we'll talk first of all about the preventative stuff and then we'll talk about the, the the sick care stuff and we'll talk about the the pros cons and a few of the the nuances thereafter or therein and then we'll talk about like how the two things should integrate each other integrate into each other and um, but you have anything to say on that Gary yeah I think one thing to realize is that like like obviously this is this is a conversation that can often be that people can get a a, a, fa- a false impression of or, ha- or have a false stance on because they don't know what healthcare actually looks like on the ground and if anyone has worked in a hospital you'll know that one of the big roles of like dietitians in the hospital is very often to nutritionally support people you know after surgery or with certain illnesses for example if someone has COPD which is a respiratory disease you know that that person might be underweight and one of the big problems that that person might have is that they're not getting in enough nutrition so the dietitian's job then might be you know to give them certain supplement supplemental drinks to try and get their calorie intake up and then it might be the case where they're trying to make decisions about should we feed this person through a an NG or a peg tube because they're not getting enough nutrition? These sorts of problems. And I think people often miss that that is the case in hospitals mm. because they have this sort of like idealistic view of nutrition as being this thing where, oh, I'm eating this Buddha bowl salad and food is medicine. And it's like, that's so detached from the real world um, that it kind of just shows that you've never actually had that experience with people in the real world um so i think that's an important thing to realize before we go any further you're not wrong gary um right so we'll talk it from the perspective of the preventative stuff because there is obviously a lot you can do nutritionally that when people say like when people from the medical professionals say like oh nutrition as thy medicine is fucking stupid because you do see a lot of them say that you do see a lot of people that are in this western medicine and i say western because you know like there are different styles of medicine in other places like you see like that kind of eastern medicine like there they they do have a lot more focus on you know we'll say the preventative side of things you know but that's not necessarily to say that they're better like you know what i mean um but anyway so the preventative style of healthcare you know this is this is essentially what we actually advocate for as a company like this is what we are actually doing as much as you may not initially put those two things together because essentially what we're doing is teaching people how to eat and train and essentially be healthy right and you would hope that that would help you stay away from disease right now obviously we're not talking about staying away from i don't know you get ebola or something like you get exposed to some sort of pathogen and but if you can then if you can do your health and fitness work eat a quote-unquote balanced diet you would hope that that would help prevent or at least reduce your risk of experiencing you know like metabolic syndrome related diseases or you know heart disease sort of stuff you know you're fit you're healthy we would hope that that would you know 
keep you fit and healthy. Hopefully. You know? um, so that's essentially what we advocate for. So we could just like very easily just fall on the side of being like, oh, like preventative medicine is where it's at. Fuck, yeah. fuck the Western medicine field. Like fuck these doctors. They're all stupid. They don't understand. Which, unfortunately, a lot of them don't understand. And this is why again you get this perspective of like fuck thy medicine is food it's stupid like medicine is medicine right <laughs> which is obviously correct to an extent like medicine yeah. is medicine like but like you said it's talking past each other they're just it's talking past each other you know um, so preventative medicine let's let's talk about where where it is actually really really good we've already mentioned one of them or we actually already mentioned two of them but preventative medicine talking about your nutrition as medicine really really fucking good in the treatment or sorry i shouldn't even say treatment in the prevention of metabolic related diseases right like you said earlier on like uh, just before we did the podcast like it's essentially energy toxicity yeah. you know a lot of these metabolic related diseases is essentially energy toxicity like people are eating too much and they then get you know in, into the the body fat ranges or the body weight ranges even that have them categorized as obese right and that leaves you open to a whole host more like even if you're just overweight that's still a whole host more risk for getting something like diabetes even like ups your risk of like heart disease all that kind of stuff right now you would actually have to be stupid to say that okay so if you eat too much you have a nutritionally unbalanced diet you have an excess of energy and it leads to we know it leads to all these outcomes you know like you're overweight and it leads to heart disease metabolic syndrome diabetes that kind of stuff right like you would actually have to be like i would say that's medically negligent to say that nutrition does not have a place as medicine <laughs> if you know that okay we have all of these potentials for if we get overweight and you go, okay, we can bring in a nutritional program or a nutritional practice that prevents us getting overweight and prevents the risk of these diseases. Now, obviously not entirely, like there are, you know, quote unquote, skinny people that get diabetes. Yep. You know, it's not it's not just a clear cut, you know, here's the, the cut off of your BMI is 26, you're going to get diabetes. But, you know, on the grand scale of things, looking at averages, that it does increase your risk of getting diabetes, metabolic syndrome, blah, 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 all those kind of things, you know? Like, you'd actually have to be medically negligent to say that, oh, nutrition is not medicine. If you can literally correlate the two, look after your nutrition, stay at a healthy weight as a result of eating a calorie-appropriate diet, and you now don't get overweight, you reduce your risk, like, you have good metabolic health, you reduce your risk for ever experiencing diabetes, metabolic syndrome, any of that kind of stuff. Like it's medical negligence in my eyes, purely because I'm from this preventative medicine <laughs> uh, sphere. Uh, but it's medical negligence in my eyes to say that nutrition has no place. Like that just takes the in entire like locus of control away from the individual and saying like, oh, forget about your nutrition stuff. You don't need to worry about that. We'll look after you when you get obese, and we have like metformin. We can uh, we can help you look after your nutrition. Like, how is that? coherent thinking you can do the practices now stay at a healthy weight stay at a uh, like do your fitness work do whatever and be overall healthy or you can eat a calorie excess diet or an, an excessive calorie filled diet get overweight and then we'll look after you like in my eye, in my eyes that seems pretty short-sighted and like stupid would you agree yes 
<laughs> like, I, like I just don't I don't understand how you can say then though medicine is not food or sorry food is not medicine you know pretty straightforward clear cut in that instance right but I think most professionals would actually agree with that you know most healthcare professionals yeah like would we're kind of creating a deliberate straw man exactly like, right because <laughs> you do see people on the extremes and obviously once people start talking past each other it encourages extremes you know because they, they're like you're not talking my language and you're not talking my language so let's go to the extremes right so obviously we are making that straw man right but metabolic syndrome even heart disease pretty straightforward easy to see how that ties in that medicine is food right same with all the the micronutrient discussions right if you don't have a micronutrient dense diet right like it does obviously bring you into the the issue of increased risk for certain diseases right and some of the easy ones to see are um neural tube defects in like pregnancy like in you know the the what is that fucking process called? The childbirth process? Whatever the fuck, you know? As a child Pop developing... Baby. Yeah, as in development of a child, uh, if you're not eating enough, you know, folic acid or folate or whatever the fuck you want to call it, whatever form you want to call it in, because again, we were discussing this before, it does actually change, it does actually matter. But, you know, if you don't have enough of folate, folic acid, there there is an increased risk of neural tube defects in that child, Right? So, again, medical negligence in my eyes to say food is not medicine when you can go, don't eat enough folic acid in your diet, your child gets neural tube defects. I'm like, that's telling someone that nutrition doesn't fucking matter, pretty fucking stupid. Yeah. Right? Again, I don't think most medical pre- professionals yeah. would disagree with they that. They would agree. You know? They, they would be sure. 100%, they'd be like, yeah, okay. So, in that perspective, yes, food is medicine, right? So, again, we're just making this straw man. Um, same with the, the issue of iodine and thyroid issues, mm-hmm. right? You know, not enough iodine, you get hyper or hypothyroidism, right? Pretty straightforward connection there. You can look at areas that traditionally had low iodine intake. They're just the, the soil, the, the, the water, whatever. Not enough iodine. They'd all get like enlarged thyroids, whatever the fuck. You know, it's pretty straightforward. So we iodinize our salt. You know, we put iodine in our salt. You know, it doesn't happen in coastal areas because you're beside the sea. It's already iodinized, blah, blah, blah. Um, you get seaweed, etc. Um, but pretty clear cut issue there. Low iodine intake, nutritionally, thyroid disease. Right. Again, I don't think a medical professional would be like, okay, that's it's, food is not medicine there. Like you're literally preventing an issue occurring by feeding someone an appropriate like micronutrient you know pretty straightforward you know this is why they're called vitamins they're vital amines because they initially thought they were amines but you know vital amines vitamins that's where it comes from you know you need them they're vital to health development right so again another one really easy to see vitamin c scurvy Right, and this is one that you think like, ah, oh, pirates, yeah, of course, like scurvy, whatever. But you have to, yeah, you have to remember that ten percent of students have scurvy, ten uh, percent. <laughs> so if you're a student listening to this and you're like, oh, I don't need to eat my vegetables, I'm healthy, you know, blah blah blah. One in ten of you motherfuckers have scurvy, <laughs> you know, and um, so it's it's still a an issue in this day and age. Right, and this is this is one that really, really fucking annoys me about the the carnivore diet, right? Because 
in my mind, I'm like, this This is actually negligent to, say, to support a carnivore diet. Because they, the, 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 the proponents of a carnivore diet would be like, oh, well, your vitamin C requirements go down if you're only eating meat. Which is not necessarily incorrect, right? But you have to also, like, just do a brief, very, very brief review of history, right? Especially if you're an American. Like, Americans, right? Lewis and Clark. Go across America, you know, fucking pioneering days. You're like, this is great, adventuring, blah, blah, blah. By the time they got to the west coast of America, they all had fucking scurvy, you know? And, like, they were literally killing buffalo, like, getting, like, a thousand pounds of meat, you know? All the meat they could eat. You can look at their journals. They were eating, like, nine to ten pounds of meat a day, right? But no, no, or very low amounts of, you know, uh, vegetables, <coughs> You know, they just didn't have them available to them. Like, every time they met, like, uh, Native American tribes, they would, you know, trade for corn and, you know, get help and with all that kind of stuff. Um, so they would get some. But they still got fucking scurvy once they got across. You know, obviously, it's over a few months that they went across. But in my mind, I'm like, this is medically neg- negligent to support a carnivore diet and not tell people to at least just take some vitamin C. <laughs> you know? So, again, vitamin C, scurvy pretty straightforward connection i don't think anyone would argue that you should have a well-balanced diet eat your fruits and vegetables get some vitamin c don't get scurvy like i don't think a medical professional would say oh that's stupid you know that's medicine right and ironically the the leader of the the carnivore diet movement was a doctor and actually had his his license revoked so it's uh, ironic (laughs) that's not ironic that's just how it should be yeah Um, there you go (laughs) um but very very clear deficient in a micronutrient disease state right eat that micronutrient don't get that disease state right very very clear like that's medicine in my eyes right so you can go into again you don't eat enough i don't know fucking or you eat certain types of food uh they just don't agree with your digestive system you know you get digestive issues, you know, say you're gluten intolerant, you know, you eat gluten, you get this issue, right? Now, that's pretty, this is kind of a bit of a, a straw man argument, like a very straw man argument on both sides, uh, because obviously, like, you're talking about a disease state already, you're gluten intolerant, yeah. you know, but then you also have to encounter the issue with people that have, we'll call them quasi intolerances, essentially, essentially, they get a bad reaction to eating certain types of food, you know, they get digestive upset they get some digestive issues once they eat this type of food you know could be eggs could be some sort of carbohydrate could be some sort of meat could be some sort of vegetable could be some sort of anything right and they eat this food they get some sort of issue and we're not talking about like a pure all-out allergy like a like a peanut allergy or something and because again like that's a disease state but someone that gets an issue digestive wise once they eat a certain type of food but they go to a doctor and there's no actual issue or or rather i should say there's no issue that we can test for that is apparent right so doctor says yeah you're fine you can't tell me that it's not preventative healthcare that I can just say, don't eat these types of food because they cause you issue and you just don't eat those types of food and you don't have the issue anymore, right? Again, I don't think most doctors would disagree with that. Again, like that's, that's in my eyes, medicine as well. Like that's literally going like, okay, food has a physiological effect on the body and 
some foods are giving you these side effects. So we're going to change your dose of those or change the type of medicine you're on to stop getting those side effects. All of a sudden the side effects go away. Like again, pretty straightforward, right? But again, I don't think most doctors would disagree with that, right? So the preventative health sphere are clearly right, right? Food is medicine, right? Would you agree? Yeah, sort of. <laughs> right, now we're going to get onto the sort of it, right? But food is medicine. It's pretty yeah. clear cut. You eat these types of, or you eat food, has an effect on your body. You know, you eat certain types of food, eat a well-balanced diet, quote unquote, whatever the fuck you want to call it, healthy diet, healthful diet, whatever, right? You don't get disease, right? That's preventative medicine, right? Pretty straightforward. You eat food, don't eat the food, you eat certain types of vitamins, minerals, whatever the fuck, you don't get disease. In my eyes, that's medicine, right? Now, we'll get on to the cons of it. So this this kind of sort of, yeah. right? So looking at that approach with a critical eye, Gary, how, what flaws are you already seeing? Yeah. So one of the biggest problems is like you've identified all of those things you know about how like it's essentially how nutrition was 100 years ago like 100 years ago the biggest concerns in nutrition um were like all right how do we how do we get people to have enough of these vital micronutrients it wasn't even that like the the, the, the 100 years ago they were like we don't know what the fuck is in food but <laughs> if you don't eat food you die you right die. so we know you need to eat food right that's pretty straightforward right but then we also don't know like some people eat certain types of food and they get these diseases some people eat these types of food they get different diseases some people eat these well balanced uh, diets and they don't get diseases so what the fuck is in these foods that are preventing issues right and then again you get the whole like essentially the biochemical revolution which i'm quite proud of <laughs> um where you go okay well let's look at it let, let's look at this food and see what are again like the vital amines in it that are preventing disease or stopping or you know encouraging growth because a lot of this was also done even though we kind of think of it in terms of like the nutrition for us a lot of this was also done in terms of you know how can you feed livestock so that you get the most return on investment you know, like how can you prevent like stillborn deaths in your livestock? How can you prevent livestock not flourishing? Like, what are the, what are what, what's in the food that, that that livestock needs to actually survive so that we can eat it ourselves? <laughs> you know, so that's where it was a hundred years ago. Anyway, go on. Sorry for interrupting you, Gary. You're fine. <laughs> but anyway, um, like all the examples you gave are kind of, you know, they're all related to um, nutritional insufficiencies, etc. Um, however, like these days we have far more complex issues with nutrition and the way that nutrition fits into sort of medicine, especially in terms of like those lifestyle or non-communicable diseases, you know, obesity, diabetes, etc. Like we're essentially looking at overnutrition as being probably the biggest problem like mm. overall in terms of like you said preventing e- energy toxicity yeah energy it? energy toxicity or, or or energy poisoning as stefan guillene says um but but yeah so we've got we've got overnutrition that's the biggest problem and the problem with that is that it's not a like behavior change is the biggest issue because essentially what you're looking at with the 100 years ago was all right we put iodine in the salt and we're all good cool everyone's kind of sorted now Whereas now that it's was like, really only like fifty years or ago whatever. Ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, but but now what we're looking at is all right. Now we've got this 
food system, if you call it that. So you've got mass food availability, really tasty foods that we all want to eat loads of. Um, very often we can get them at a very low cost, um, sometimes at a lower cost um, and a lower barrier of entry in terms of not having to cook. So we've got all those things that are making it, you know, it's financially feasible to eat lots of nutrition, um, too much nutrition. And it's also very, it's much more convenient, especially in, in the way that we live right now. So it's actually much easier to end up in a state of overnutrition than it is to end up in a state of undernutrition, at least, you know, in a first world country. Um, so that that's far more complicated because essentially what you have to do to change that and totally stop that is like mass behavior change, which you can look at on a systems level in terms of like, interventions like whether or not you agree with it i'm sure you probably wouldn't a sugar tax (laughs) (laughs) exactly i know (laughs) but like sugar taxes and banning the advertisement of food of certain foods and all this sort of stuff like you're looking at systems level change and then you're looking at changes at the level of the individual where you're trying to get them to change their behavior in ways that we've talked about millions of times like not buying not buying certain foods, not storing certain foods in your house, opting for certain foods over other foods, etc., etc. So you've got those more complex problems that are essentially trying to go against the inertia of the individual. Because obviously, like, the easiest way to live in terms of, like, taking the easiest route all the time is just to buy convenience foods, cheap convenience foods, eat lots of them until you're satisfied. But that's not the path to health. So it's a much more difficult problem now in terms of the role of nutrition in the preventative medicine side of things than it was back then so what 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 you see happening now sometimes is people adopting a food is medicine stance but they're not doing it with that level of analysis instead they're saying like they might look at something like cancer or something and it's like all right when we look at cancer uh, we see that they some people with this type of cancer have this uh, nutritional deficiency so we should just be treating it with that instead of um like chemotherapy and it's like all right that's where things get messy and that's where the functional medicine preventative medicine side of things can get a bit messy because you you've got this sort of movement at the moment where there's increasing distrust in medicine essentially like people think the doctors are out to poison them people think the vaccines are giving everyone autism and that they're you know designed to keep us all sick you've got countless stories of people going to quote-unquote cancer ranches where they're treated with nutrition with certain vitamins and IV this and all these sorts of weird interventions and people are opting out of actually using medicine for the purpose that it's there for and this is even prevalent in very high profile doctors in the UK who are telling people like not to take statins and to to purely take the route of of nutrition Um, and, and essentially it's just creating this mass distrust of the role of medicine and that's where I see things as becoming problematic because as I said when when I said sort of basically the reason I'm saying sort of in terms of food being medicine is like food plays clearly plays a very key role in the prevention and management of these chronic lifestyle diseases and non-communicable diseases that that are big problems these days but it shouldn't be viewed as being medicine because medicine has its key role that if we kind of toss aside which i know you're not advocating for but some people do um that becomes problematic because that that's when we start to see harm because people actually 
are avoiding the things that could help them so that's a problem yeah this is essentially like we're saying like you can clearly do this like whole oh this this vitamin or this mineral or whatever the fuck this component of the diet it treats this you know and we can see that like iodine thyroid cool right we we know hugely we can see the two we can clearly see a benefit here right and that gives you this almost false impression that nutrition is extremely powerful right mm -hmm. it's powerful no doubt like i don't think anyone disagrees with that right but it gives you this overwhelming thought process that like nutrition can do whatever the fuck you know like it can treat anything like as long as you get nutrition right you get this environmental thing right you are just perfection now you know you've got it all right and it can lead to like you're saying especially when people get very reductionist in their thought process like 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 that they're like oh one vitamin or one mineral one disease you know it's like yeah. perfect correlate there's no it's clear cut there's no no nuance whatsoever it's just clear cut right and like you're talking about like the the energy toxicity or the energy poisoning or whatever fuck you want to call it but i don't think i think like the preventative medicine side of people would argue for you know calorie controlled diets blah 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 uh, i think also the the western medicine would argue the same again you're going to get fringe people in both communities i i'd say the the western medicine side of things are willing to let it go further and then treat it if that makes sense like they're like oh you know get it get a little bit fatter we can use like metformin or something to offset some of these issues and then we'll we'll look after it rather than what the 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 preventative medicine people or food people are kind of like oh let's get ahead of this you know like let's get ahead of it right so i think they're both looking for the same outcome overall but the, the time point of intervention is a little bit different right but i think they're both in agreement with that right but you do get quite a vocal proponents or quite vocal proponents in the the preventative medicine side of things where they're kind of like they f just f ignore energy balance like it all becomes very yeah. oh e eating certain foods or nourishing your gut microbiome yeah nourishing your 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 microbiome overall and as i've said before like realistically the most important important bacteria whatever the fuck in your body is mitochondria like that endosymbiotic theory uh the uh, your a cell engulfed uh, mitochondria uh, archaic mitochondria realize that oh fuck we can actually get energy from this let's let mitochondria do its job that's why mitochondria has a different dna than us you know they have mitochondrial dna whereas we have like you know human dna <laughs> um and um, so that endosymbiotic theory the the, the the mitochondria is in my opinion the most important one so you have to look after your energy balance you have to obviously feed that appropriate micronutrients to allow that to occur you know uh, to, to allow that whole process to occur but that's the most important one like I don't fucking care about your gut microbiome if you're you know 80 pounds overweight you know like that in my mind that, like the, the first thing I'm looking at is getting you to a healthy weight whatever nutritional interventions we can bring about to do that get you into a rough healthy weight like obviously we still look after the gut microbiome we eat better food selection where we can but at the end of the day the, the thing that's going to be most important is getting you to a healthy weight you know and um, but i think most sides even when they talk past each other would be in agreement with that and um, some people will go oh yeah like it's the foods that all the it's only the foods that matter calories don't fucking count at all who cares about them but i i think that's more of a fringe people like people want to put again more trust in medicine or sorry in food than there is yeah right and um, but the in my mind the biggest 
fall down or negative with this whole food is medicine type of thing is that feeling or that thought process of an overwhelming power that medicine or that food has right and again like you look at like iodine thyroid cool got it vitamin c scurvy cool got it very simple one 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 vitamin one mineral one disease right 100 percent, right and it works for so many things so you're like yeah obviously this is the way things work right so they'll start doing things like you you said where like they'd have like oh here's this disease state and here's this vitamin or mineral that in a cell culture treats that right and you'll see it just lambasted spitting everywhere when i'm talking um you'll see this as lambasted as like here is the bastion of fucking health you take this vitamin and or mineral or fucking whatever phytonutrient biological component of the food whatever fuck it is right and you go treats this disease right and you'll see this even promoted in like the, the health and fitness industry which i'm saying again like this is this is the con of it where you'll have something like zinc is used to treat uh, or can nutritionally support, not used to treat, can nutritionally support uh, hypogonadal men or like they have like low, low testosterone, right? <clears throat> can help in that whole process of getting, you know, testosterone into a normal physiological range, right? And you can look at that and go, boom, okay, fuck this. Someone has a zinc deficiency, <laughs> right? It leads to low testosterone. We give them some zinc leads to higher testosterone so everyone should be taking zinc if they want high testosterone right obviously duh man like if you start if it's helping people go from like zero to 400 like obviously me at fucking 900 it's gonna help me go from 900 to fucking 1300 i'm gonna be a fucking animal right and you get that thought process where it's like you forget that it's it is the environment or it is the situation that dictates how that is going to affect your overall body. So yes, zinc will bring your or health. I shouldn't say bring. It's not is is not medicine. Again, this is what I'm not advocating that it is medicine. Yeah. Uh, but it'll help you support your testosterone production, getting into a normal range, right? So I can see how it's very intuitive to kind of go, okay. So let, obviously that works for everyone, but that's not the way it works. Like if you are zinc sufficient, you have enough zinc in your diet, you have enough zinc, you're maybe you're taking a supplement, whatever the fuck, it's not going to bring you up to this super high range outside the physiological range, you know? So it's very easy. And like the, the proponents of this preventative medicine side of things fall down that trap so many times. Right. And I think this is where, it encourages doctors or the people in the, the the mainstream medicine to just ride off nutrition because these people that claim these things are very vocal. They're very, I'm going to say outlandish. Like they make claims that are just completely outlandish in terms yeah. of, you know, they, again, they have this very reductionist view of take this supplement, take this phytonutrient, whatever the fuck prevent disease like you see this with like resveratrol you know and it's like oh antioxidant does so much yeah it's literally like one of many antioxidants it's not like it's a miracle drug but people treat it like a miracle drug you know and it's it's just not you know like and they're like oh drink a load of red wine drink fucking whatever the fuck you want from amount of red wine uh take it you're going to be anti-aging anti-fucking cancer anti-whatever the fuck right and it's like you're just making these outlandish claims you see this as well with like cbd you know it's like outlandish claims no scientific support for them yeah right not even anecdotal support for them it's like mass 
mass hypnosis. Like, <laughs> people, like people are like, oh, CBD, like it's been banned. They, they, they don't want you to notice. Uh, and it's like, yeah, okay, cool. You're still not getting a, an, an objective, measurable effect. Like there's like you can look at people like going oh CBD and sleep and you go okay cool so maybe you spend like whatever the fucking thirty euro getting a tub of fucking CBD capsules or whatever the fuck right and you go well, listen I've been measuring my sleep with whatever sleep app and you're like okay I'm taking these no difference like I've literally seen people do that and they're like yeah but I still take it because it improves sleep I'm like you have objective data here that shows that it does not improve your sleep and the research says the same thing. and the research <laughs> says the same thing so what what are you what are you spending the money on you know so. You can see how that very easily gets into the the realms of outlandishness, right? But they're they're fairly innocuous. They're fairly like, okay, cool. I really don't care if you take some zinc. Uh, it's not going to do much harm, realistically. Like maybe you get like low copper levels, like because they're they're kind of antagonistic. Um, but outside of that, I'm not going to do a huge amount of harm. Like. I don't really care as a doctor if you were a doctor you'd be like yeah, I don't really care like yeah it's probably a bit outlandish they shouldn't be making those claims but it's fairly innocuous right but then you see the proponents also making claims where it's like okay this is anti-cancer like you're like we were saying earlier on like uh, they're like oh well in uh, almonds or fucking apple seeds there's you know vitamin, vitamin B15 I think it's vitamin B15 and like you put vitamin B15 on cancer cells in culture and they die so vitamin B15 kills cancer but they don't want you to know that right but you have to look at that it's like what what does vitamin b15 have it has cyanide in it right cyanide kills humans as well so obviously it kills cancer cells right and also looking at what does or what something does in a petri dish and what something does in a human completely different things right and like if you said like okay we're gonna take vitamin b15 and you're just gonna take a load of it and let's see you have cancer let's see if it just reduces your cancer and it does nothing like i don't see how you can ethically propose that as a treatment method you know so you see this kind of stuff where it's very outlandish and they claim people make claims where they are saying nutrition treats diseases like it's an actual medicine yeah. you know like so like you said earlier on where people go to these like ranches or whatever and they're they're given these vitamins or minerals or fucking phytonutrients or whatever the fuck <clears throat> bioactive components and they're using that to treat the disease whatever disease it is usually it's cancer because it's fucking like western medicine as much as they have done for cancer and like they've done a fucking lot it's still it's still an issue for people you know cancer is still killing people you know it's not like it's a disease that we've got under control like we we're definitely in the in the throes of getting it under control but it's not like people still die from it you know there's not much western medicine can do for a lot of people right so i can understand how these people that are in a position where they have cancer, where they have uh, an untreatable disease, like you're willing to do whatever the fuck, right? Some little snake oil salesman goes like, oh, vitamin therapy, you have to pay me fucking 40K and we'll give you all these. I can see, like I probably would do the same. Especially when those degenerates are telling you that humans invented cancer. Yeah, exactly. Doctors invented cancer. I mean, like, it's before doctors were even around. Like, you can literally, they had cancer. They, I know. It's the actually, earliest, yeah. cancer is actually one of the earliest uh, recorded diseases. Like, they used to talk about it in, like, the, the ancient Egyptians used to, like, they yeah. used to treat, like, breast cancers and stuff. Like, they obviously could just cut it out. That was all they could do. Um, but, like, there's literally, like, rec records of it before fucking global world governments and whatever else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Illuminati, we're paid by the Illuminati, oh, don't forget that. Yeah, that's uh, we're actually 
funded by Big Pharma as well. I'm actually on the Illuminati Council now. <laughs> and I'm actually telling you this, so you just think it's a joke. Ah, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. Playing you like. But yeah, so I can see how it's very easy for Western medicine or doctors in general to be like, these fucking guys talking about nutrition as medicine, they're stupid as fuck, right? Because you see people making stupid as fuck <laughs> uh, claims, you know? And so it's like, you, you go from the clear, here we're trying to support health, right? You go from that where it's like, you need to eat a well-balanced diet. We want to eat a calorie-appropriate diet that helps keep you healthful, where you're not getting overweight, you're not increasing your risk for all these metabolic syndrome, heart disease, whatever the fuck else, right? And you're not getting any of these easily nutritionally prevented diseases like scurvy, you know, hypothyroidism because of iodine deficiency or low testosterone because of zinc deficiency. You're not getting any of these, these things, right? So I can see how you go from that and then you see these people that are like, okay, uh, this vitamin B12, B15 treats cancer or ketogenic diets treat cancer, you know? So you can see how as a medical professional, you're going, you kind of just lump those two people together, those two types of people together, right? And it's like, that's, that's not, that's not what preventative medicine or sorry, preventative healthcare with a nutritional perspective is all about, right? So it's very easy to see how those pros and cons as like nutrition is medicine. It, the, the waters get very muddied, right? Mm-hmm. But let's look at the, the, the sick care or the, the, the doctor's approach to it now, right? So you look at the way they treat people. They, again, so, some of them get down that very reductionist mindset that we were talking about as well with, you know, one, one thing, one bioactive component and one disease you know like their entire arsenal to treat whatever disease it is is like here's this drug right no lifestyle changes no nutritional changes nothing it's like like you mentioned statins earlier on right and it's like okay our only method of controlling your cholesterol here's some statins right forget about all the side effects of statins forget about all these ill effects of statins let's forget about actually treating the reason your cholesterol is high in the first place here's a stat right and you can see why with that perspective it's the exact same as the other perspective where it's like oh zinc and testosterone you know it's like very reductionist you can see why people get infuriated with that you know but you can also see why doctors propose that right and very easy to give out to the masses very easy to disseminate information you know you're treating loads of people every day you can see why that happens, right? No nutritional support, no lifestyle support, nothing, right? And you can see why both sides kind of go, well, you can see why the, the preventative healthcare people or the preventative health people, whatever the fuck you want to call them, are going like, well, why can't we just treat this high cholesterol with nutritional interventions, you know? Which obviously can be done, you know? Definitely not as effective at lowering your cholesterol as a statin, you know? But again, that... that argues or it's a different argument which we should discuss actually sometime um about the actual need to lower your cholesterol like you know cholesterol is an antioxidant as much as people kind of go oh oxidized cholesterol like there's a reason it's oxidizing you know there's a reason like that cargo wants to get to where it wants to get you know and like obviously there are issues surrounding it like 
But anyway, that's a different difference. Yeah, then you've got primary prevention sector versus exactly. That's a complicated yeah, exactly, conversation. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we can have it another day. Another but anyway, day. so but like that that's a a good one in terms of there are nutritional things that you can do to support that, right? So you can see why the the preventative people are like, why why aren't we doing nutritional interventions to bring your cholesterol down? And why is the first line of defense for or first line of treatment for this doctor statins? You know, so you can see why they start talking past each other, right? But Again, you have to look at it from the doctor's perspective. Like, try explaining to someone who's 50, 60 years old that they've lived a certain way their whole life, and you're going, okay, so now you have to just change all of your lifestyle habits, and here's the nutritional things that you have to do, here's whatever, and come back to me in two weeks so we can see, or come back to me next week or whatever, fuck, so we can see how you're getting on with these nutritional interventions. Like, that's a, that's a lot, a lot of work, right? Where I can just write a prescription for you and go, take these statins, we'll test you again in three months see where you're at maybe we might increase maybe we might decrease the dose you know and just they're on their way they're gone yeah, yeah. and, and the pro- one of the big problems there as well particularly as it relates to the, the lifestyle diseases and and heart disease as well like like we're going to talk about one of the big problems is that some there is a subculture of of doctors that are kind of that will apply that same reductionist one solution mindset to which which makes sense in 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 a, in a medical context in a sense they'll apply that to nutrition as well in yeah. that they'll say um like the, there's a there's a big subculture now of of low carb and keto doctors that believe that you know it's it's all just carbs it's like so that so that becomes yeah, the, carbs are poison the, man. the thing it's like all right instead of it being a medicine now we're going to view it as all right it's just carbs uh, everyone should be keto all these people with heart disease, no, no, no! Don't take statins. And um, that's invented. They're they're all being pushed by the same people who are trying to get you to eat carbs because they're funded by Coca Cola, Nestle, etc. Um, big, big you know, food, big food, big sugar, whatever. Um, so that that sort of mindset gets carried over, and I think the the overarching theme here with everything that we've brought up is that you can't just have a narrow minded view in any of these things. That it's complicated. That there are big systems level reasons that people are sick there are individual level reasons that people are sick um and and there's a difference between like how how you manage something when someone is healthy and how you manage someone when there's a progressive pathophysiology because i think that's one of the things that's really missed is that people often think of like physiology as being a static thing Mm. um and that like you just apply nutrition to that whereas it's like you do realize like that when someone has a disease, like you were dealing with different physiology by virtue of them having disease. And mm-hmm. like that really complicates the conversation, which is why, especially with those like metabolic diseases, like you're, everything just works differently. Yeah. And, and I think like, that's one of the reasons we're trying to have this podcast is not to claim that we are the, like <laughs> should be advising nutritionists or doctors or managing people that are ill, but rather to kind of, I guess, help the personal trainers that are listening and the trainees to kind of recognize right where does med like medicine does fit into this picture you should trust medicine um but obviously that doesn't mean yeah, that you're just a paid shill like, i'm a paid so. shill like, yeah. Um, but yeah no so that the next thing then is like which goes on with this conversation is you see this obviously this reductionist mindset where it's like you know one cause one disease whatever the fuck like it doesn't like it obviously works for some things but it doesn't work for the overall approach to your healthcare. right so if you're a doctor and you're one your one solution your only thing is like here's a statin or here's a drug or here's whatever and that's your treatment method entirely i would argue that's wrong right because there are nutritional things that you can do to support that and even if it's just a case of you know you go and like 
right we you can make some lifestyle interventions you can make some changes with your diet that will medically or not medically i shouldn't say that nutritionally support this disease state then that should be also part of the treatment and i think for a lot of doctors that's what they do right you have diabetes they're like okay cool we're gonna prescribe metformin but here's diabetes you know support here's nutritional support for this here's whatever and you can argue about the validity and the the, the goodness or badness of the advice that they get in these, you know, from a dietitian or whatever else, but at least they are pushing the narrative that, you know, nutrition has a place in this, right? So I think a lot of doctors would actually do that. You know, they would have, obviously they have this, you know, one 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 treatment, one disease type thing, which we're arguing is a, a bad thing. But also a lot of doctors don't have that or a lot of, no, you're staying here, Gary. You're not allowed to leave. Um, we need to talk to you, like. Finish your sentence. I've literally finished. <laughs> Scumbag. This chapter's leaved halfway through the podcast. Can't even. Right. Finally, Gary's back. Um, but yeah, so as I was saying before, I was rudely interrupted. Um, anyway, uh, you also then have a lot of medical professionals that just completely ignore the nutritional side of things and you see this as well like you've talked about it before in terms of you know you've done your your placements and stuff and they just don't nutritionally support the treatments that they're giving like they just completely ignore it even though there are nutritional interventions that can be put in place to help with that disease state you know they they just completely ignore it they just completely they, they treat it as the same way that the preventative people are like, oh, don't believe in medicine, don't believe in the statins, don't believe in any of this shit. You know, they like it's complete bollocks. Don't like, don't even look at it. It's just big pharma. You know, nutrition is the way forward. You know, everything. It comes from the roots of the world. You know, there's all there's nutritional whatever out there that will treat your disease, and they just tell you to completely ignore like Western medicine, right? But you also see this on the side of the medicine side of things, right? Now, obviously, we're talking about, like, the GPs and stuff and whatever, even medical professionals in, in like, a hospital setting or whatever. And they'll, they'll, they will have a more nuanced, a lot of them will have a more nuanced approach to things. They'll be like, yes, okay, obviously, you need a statin to lower your cholesterol so we can get it into a range. And here's some nutritional interventions you can do to help that. You know, a lot of medical professionals, or at least I'd hope anyway, a lot of medical professionals have that approach to things, right? So you have that and you also have the other side of things, which then again is the, the exact same as the preventative guys going like, oh, it's all just nutrition. Forget about medicine. You have the people in the medical professional that just completely ignore the nutritional side of things. Even though there are nutritional interventions that you can bring about to help that disease state, they're like, nah, forget about them, right? And you'll see this again, like in the hospital setting, like they'll literally serve you like shit food even though you're in a diseased state, even though you're trying to keep your energy up, even though you're trying to, you know, combat, battle, whatever the fuck you want to call it, a, a diseased state, they'll give you chicken nuggets and chips for your dinner, <laughs> yeah. you know? So what, what are your thoughts on that, Gary? Yeah, like I think th like that, that is definitely very common in hospitals from my experience on placement. Like you do see examples where people are, you know, having like sausages and rashers and chips like for their dinner and stuff. But again, like, what do you do with that? That's not the, you know, it, it's not, that's not the fault of the doctor or the dietitian. That is more of a, 
systemic healthcare mm. issue as in like that is a health service executive yeah, see, this is again, problem this, yeah, this is a thing yeah. it's like it's not not necessarily the individual like that a doctor on that ward or the f- doctors on that ward or the nurses or whatever the fuck whoever's there you know they might be like this is fucking stupid yeah. you know like why the fuck are they eating like you know sausages and chips there's not a vegetable in sight and that he's recovering from fucking this ridiculously hard I don't know hip surgery or something you know and it's like you're just giving them slop here to eat like there's no vegetables no good nutrition and like the doctor themselves might be like that's just fucking stupid right but that's the the way the hospital is run or that's the way the the medical service is run so like again we're not trying to say it's the the individual doctors we're just obviously making the discussion around this sick care model anyway go on but yeah essentially like that and i think like i think they're they're there could very well be multiple reasons why that is the case. It could be a cost thing. It could be because you're not dealing with skilled chefs who are working in hospitals. Um, it could be the case that you are dealing with a large portion of elderly people who are actually underweight, who are going to have certain food and taste preferences. And if you present them with your cute little butter bowl salad <laughs> like old mary who's like underweight and she's gonna be like, no. she's not gonna be like what the fuck is this stuff like so i think again again like the, the purpose of this conversation is to show you that this stuff is complex and like we don't have a solution like to suggest that we oh, have a solution i'm gonna give it at the end <laughs> <laughs> the hosp- <laughs> hospitals are trying to kill people by feeding them bad food it's like all right that's a ba- that's a problem obviously you don't want to be feeding feeding people terrible food when they're in hospital especially if you're trying to maybe get them to change their behaviors going forward it would probably be good to lead by example but also there are many reasons why that may not be feasible whether it be low appetite whether it be preferences and i mean like the thing is like when you're dealing with a hospital setting as well it's not like everyone in there is obese and everyone's trying to lose weight immediately like most of you have probably been in hospital at some point and you know you're lethargic you know people are bringing you in nice food and you're not exactly in the form to be like oh, I want to eat a really big, healthy, you know, stew with loads of vegetables. You're like, just give me something convenient. So I think, again, it, it's complicated. And I don't think, I don't think it should be used as a means of saying doctors are trying to make you sick, <laughs> especially not that. Mm, I agree. Now, so the actual solution, right? <laughs> I'm actually serious. That we, one weird trick. <laughs> no, we can give, we can give a solution for this in terms of both an individual and then watch how you interact with the, the medical profession or the medical system, right? So as an individual, you obviously have a lot of control over your nutrition, right? So as an individual, that is your medical intervention, right? You don't self-medicate with fucking codeine. You don't self-medicate with whatever else. You go, any of that medicine, right? You, you go to a doctor, right? But as an individual, you can look after your nutrition to whatever extent that you can look after your nutrition. Like obviously some people can do this better than others depending on your socioeconomic status, whatever the fuck, right? But as an individual, you have control of keeping yourself in a quote-unquote healthy weight range, Right? Again, there's going to probably be some people in there that, again, don't have that luxury medical issues. But again, we're going to talk about that in a second in terms of your interaction with the medical profession. But as an individual, you have control over eating the right quantity or the right uh, ratios of macronutrients and obviously getting enough micronutrients and obviously eating a calorie appropriate diet. 
right? So you have control over that. Now, I'm not saying you have to do this perfectly. I'm not saying you have to calculate everything out to the fucking picogram, right? What I am saying is you have a lot of control over how well you eat and the quantity of food that you eat. So if you do a nutritional audit and you notice, okay, I've eaten like three vegetables in the last week, like that's obviously bad, right? So you have the 100% the complete control over eating more micronutrients, eating a, a well-balanced diet, right? And again, you can go to whoever guru, whatever fucking, what, whoever you want to, and they can recommend whatever macronutrient proportions or whatever exact foods to eat or whatever. But I think intuitively, most people know what good food looks like. You know, some meat, some vegetables, some carbohydrate source, and, you know, maybe an extra fat source if the meat source you have doesn't have a fat source. Not that hard, right? Eat a portion size that allows you to manage your weight effectively, right? That's what you have control over as an individual, right? You can definitely go down the more esoteric route and be like, I'm going to get X and Y and Z supplement, that's fine. If you have the extra cash to spend on that, I'm not going to stop you, right? You know, supplements definitely do have their place. You just have to know why you are bringing something in, right? But that's what you have control over as an individual, right? When you interact with the, the healthcare profession, you, to some extent, as an individual, have to believe what they are saying. Right? And you can go off, do your own research and go like, oh, well, what about this? What about this? And have a, a discussion with a medical professional. right? But at the end of the day, like, if someone said to me, like, oh, you have this disease, this is how we treat it. And as long as I believe in the treatment, I would go along with that treatment. you know. And I, I, I know I'm saying like, oh, believe in the treatment. But like, obviously, I'm talking from someone who has a biochemical basis, you know, or biochemical knowledge. But if you're like, oh, I just don't really know much about it. If someone says, take these, you know, or sorry, it's not someone. If, if a doctor <laughs> says, a doctor t says, take these medicines, it's going to help treat your disease. Take them, right? You can obviously do your own research. You can also look into how to nutritionally support these issues. You can look at like, okay, so I was doing this X, Y, Z with my diet, but I've read up on this disease state, whatever it is. And, you know, it, it, it clearly notes that lower carbohydrate approach seems to be better for treatment outcomes or a lower fat approach seems to be better or uh, bringing in X, Y, and Z uh, vitamins, minerals, whatever seems to help support that, right? cool right you can do your own research on that you can look up online again don't look up someone's fucking random blog where they're like oh yeah like believe us like here's fucking x y and z like yeah definitely use that as a resource for reading the primary literature like if they make a claim that like, you want to see some literature on that even if it's just an abstract like you don't have to be you know uh very well scientifically read to read an abstract you know um it might not tell you everything you need to know or give you the subtle nuances, but it will point you in the right direction. So as an individual, that's what you have control over. You have control over your nutrition to some extent. Eat a healthful diet. You know, again, it's going to take some level of work on your front to both find out what a healthful diet is for you, find out or rather make the changes in your lifestyle and overall approach to nutrition to actually implement that because again like that's realistically the hardest point um and then you have to interact with the medical system in a way that you acknowledge that these people have expert 
opinions or expert knowledge on whatever x y and z disease it is right you know so that's how you interact with it now looking at it from the perspective of if we were in charge of the or actually right before we get onto that do you agree with that i agree with that and like i think i think that last point needs to be hammered home as well about like just kind of trusting expertise because i think a lot of the time you can listen to personal trainers and and like other people online who have maybe been studying some stuff on the edge and they they start to give you like loads of advice whereas if you think about like let's say you're going to your cardiologist they've probably studied for at least 10 years to get to that point like they're not just giving you shitty advice you should trust it um and i think a lot of the stuff that you read online is more so a story or narrative that's trying to appeal to your intuition like you know basically ma- telling some sort of story about how you know food is the solution um, and i think you really do need to trust expertise um unless you're prevented or presented with a ridiculous amount of evidence to show that 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 you shouldn't you know yeah and um, especially like you can you, i think people kind of also forget that if you're talking to a doctor that's again like we're talking about whatever <coughs> your cardiologist you know like you can ask them their opinion on how you should change your nutrition you know and you can ask them in a way that's like yeah well like i'm not asking for like medical advice here i'm asking you if you had this disease say yourself how would you change your nutrition you know and i think most <coughs> while doc- recognizing that they don't have nutrition education <laughs> exactly that's what i'm saying that's important. And, I, and i think most doctors would be willing to be like okay well i don't know enough about this but if you want to talk to x y and z healthcare professional within the medical system i can organize that you know or some of them might be like well look if i had this disease state this is what i would do you know <clears throat> this is what the, the 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 literature you know a lot of people like especially doctors are interested in you know nutrition this kind of stuff because they recognize that it does play a role you know so you can ask them what they would do you know again not taking it as medical advice but obviously they are a medical professional you know you can be like okay well what would you do you can ask their opinion as a person to person you know so yes you do have to trust them to some extent but you still have to the onus is on you to look at that approach you know and you can get a second opinion third opinion fourth opinion that's completely within your right right now as a if we were in control of the medical profession right (laughs) (laughs) Two, two idiots <laughs> how, how, how do you sort it right now obviously you look at it from the bias that like the two of us are first of all stupid and um, yeah. second of all the two of us are obviously more so in this preventative healthcare model right because obviously what we do like as personal trainers like i kind of see personal trainers as first line healthcare yeah. professionals so if like we just categorize ourselves as personal trainers like we are essentially first line healthcare providers which essentially is preventative medicine right like you're trying to stop people you're trying to help people live a healthful life right mm-hmm. so anyway as a, a healthcare profession if we were in charge of it like overnight we just stage a military coup and took over you know yourself too easy and um, and we're like okay what are we going to do realistically the only way you can actually do this is have system-wide changes like you have to actually change like the overall approach to how you disseminate nutritional information to everyone like people talking about like the food pyramid and everything like you would have to change everything from a population-wide perspective right ridiculously hard to do i don't have a plan of action for that i like that's what you would have to do right so you'd have to come up with a plan of action for that but that's a that's an aside right the next thing then inside the medical professional or inside the medical profession you can look at okay so if 
The doctor themselves doesn't have nutritional knowledge, but you recognize that diseases have potential nutritional therapies that can go along with treatments, right? What you can do to help that then is have a bigger role for whatever you want to call them, health coaches, dietitians, dietitians yeah. I'm saying like dietitian, yeah. but it's not just dietetics yeah, because like some, some of them are like lifestyle issues as well. So unless you expand the role of a dietitian, you know, yeah. well, I'm just going to call them health coaches because that's what I want the umbrella term to be. Right. So people that can then give people support, they don't necessarily have to be dietitians. Like you can come up with a plan of action made by a dietitian, but it doesn't need to be disseminated by a dietitian. Right, you know, so you have diabetes, no, not diabetes, maybe fucking I don't know, so something that can have a nutrition nutrition support to that. Right, you can go to someone that's going, okay, so are you taking your medicine? Yes, cool. Are you then also changing these X, Y, and Z with your diet? You know, so that it can help support that 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 overall issue, whatever it is. Right, and you have them, and they check in with you. They're more almost like a, a nurse. Right, like they're actually more concerned with helping you change your overall approach. You know, change the the lifestyle habits you need to change, change the dietary habits you need to change, whatever fuck it is, right? And obviously, as an individual, you interacting with that, like you can do that yourself, but obviously, that requires a lot of work, like a lot of work learning stuff. Maybe you've never been interested in nutrition in your whole life, and now you've got this disease, and you're like. Oh shit, like, where do I even go to find this information? You know, it's the triage militia. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, you, you need to do a lot of work to do that. So as an individual, it'd be pretty hard. But if you had a system set up whereby, you know, you go to a doctor, you have X, Y, and Z disease, and then they go, okay, cool, here's the medicines that you need to take. Here's the, the number for the support people that are going to help you make lifestyle, make uh, nutrition changes. Boom, there you go. Like pretty easy solve however it's not an actual easy solve because i've just created another step in the medical system who the fuck's paying for that (laughs) you know so either everyone pays for that with higher taxes or you know everyone pays for that with higher taxes um well unless you're in america or some other system well they still pay for it in their taxes but you have another system whereby you pay for it as an individual which then obviously leads to the thing where people will just start opting and be like all right well if my doctor is going to give me medicine that's going to treat it i'm not going to make any of the other changes because that's extra money to go see this healthcare professional that i'm just not arsed spending i'd rather just take the medicine because most people are looking for the easy option you know and this again why the doctors are just prescribing a medicine rather than going into this holistic thing because realistically the vast majority excuse me the vast majority of people are just like yeah can i just take a medicine for that and we're done you know and i think like the other thing to realize is that like it's it's very nice to have these kind of stories in like an ideal world but like gps have an average of 10 minutes with their patients yeah like (laughs) there's so much for them to review it's like all right i need to check all these like vitals this is really important we're kind of getting i get an idea of like what where your disease is at are you getting better etc um and then at the end it's kind of like oh yeah you you know you need to you need to lose weight this is what you should do and it's like like that's not their fault like that's a mm. that's a yeah exactly that's a that's, system that's, level that's problem what I'm saying. and that and like it's the same for for exercise like people always you know say that oh gps don't give good exercise advice it's like well yeah firstly like it's not 
really their job like obviously to be good to know mm-hmm. the exercise guidelines and secondly like behavior change is really complicated whether it's nutrition whether it's Anything. exercise even trying to get people to sleep more like this shit is complicated <laughs> um, and like in an ideal world you have all these primary care practices where you go to your GP and then you walk down the hallway to the dietitian and then you walk your, down your, your to hallway to your, your psychologist memory. and then to the gym at the end of the corridor where your physio or personal trainer because physios don't understand exercise <laughs> but well, you're allowed to say that because you're, <laughs> you're, you're I'm actually allowed to say that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no I'm only joking um, no you're not but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um, and then you go down to your, your physio or personal trainer or strength coach or whatever at the end of the hallway um, and you do your exercise program um, and I think that like that that you you have to realize that that is an ideal world and we can have this discussion about nutrition like see but this is the thing is that, like it is an ideal world and like there are facilities like that yeah you just have to pay for them yeah and like that's that's the issue yeah i'm pretty People sure don't... spencer nadolsky runs a facility like that where like he's the doctor or at least he's starting to do that and then his goal is to you know get dietitians on board and then have a gym you know and like that's savage like that is yeah, that's good that's, that's the prop- way like medicine should be that's right? proper goals however like, again <laughs> someone has to pay for it at the end of the day and this is again especially if you live in a country that has like socialized healthcare, like you forget that everyone is paying for it like if you live in a country that has socialized healthcare, like you're paying for the medical system whether you use the medical system or not you know same with college people are like oh especially in ireland they're like oh like college is is free in ireland it's like no everyone is paying for it in ireland like everyone whether you use it or not you're still paying for it you know so like this is the thing people have these ideas of where things should go but they never look into like where the money comes from right and again like this is the issue with it like no one's willing to spend the money to engage with that service and as a result the service doesn't necessarily improve like if you're paying like i personally i I've never had a good experience well i actually have had good experience with gps but the majority of the time if you ever go to a gp it's like yeah 10 minutes in and out and it's like yeah thanks 50 euro like and you're like 50 euro for 10 minutes now obviously you're not paying 50 euro for those 10 minutes you're paying 50 euro for the the years of experience and the years of education that that person has engaged in like it's not just selling time like you would sell time like i don't know stacking shelves or something you know so it is a diff there is a difference right but at the same time if if i want to spend 50 euro on something like i want to get a good service right so i can only imagine if you're spending more money like you want to get a better service right and i don't think the service is out there right now in terms of like if people are charging 50 euro for a 10 minute consultation you know like people wouldn't be willing to spend the fucking 200 euro you're gonna get for the fucking half hour consultation with this beautiful facility you know people aren't willing to, to spend that you know so again like at the end of the day you have to look at where does the money come from yeah, and I think, like, another thing just to, before we close off is to realize that, like, you can apply this discussion about nutrition to exercise and pretty much everything else. Like, you know, people use the same soundbite of exercise is medicine, um, it, you know, as it relates to exercise. And, again, it, it's kind of a similar thing. Like, yeah, it does play a potent role. Like, exercise has been shown to be very similar to high, antihypertensive drugs in terms of bringing down blood pressure and stuff. And it's like, oh, that's great, um, but sometimes that won't work. And you obviously still need medicine and you know there there's a big there's a big part to be said as well about like this sort of multidisciplinary team approach and respecting that doctors do what doctors do dietitians do what dietitians do physios do what physios do um, and that they can all play a very helpful role in bringing someone back to health 
Um, although, like, I remember there was there was this one instance on one of my placements, um, where I had an educator, and that there was a patient, there was a patient who was being managed by the dietitian, trying to gain weight, trying to regain muscle mass, um, and strength, and like under the guise of my educator in physio, like we were like basically not to have her exercise until she gains weight, and I was kind of thinking to myself like, how does this make any sense? The intent is to build up strength and muscle mass. But we're trying to put the weight gain ahead of actually exercising and trying to get fitness and muscle adaptations. It's like this doesn't really make a lot of sense. And and that's what that's why I kind of make that sarcastic comment about like physios don't understand exercise. It's like it's really important to understand that that like like phys- physios can play a really, really important role in terms of especially in, in the elderly, because sarcopenia, loss of muscle mass, loss of function weakness essentially weakness is, is the biggest a, killer is a, is a potent <laughs> killer like weakness actually kills and i always say that on instagram people think i'm joking but weakness kills like if you can't get out of your chair that's what's going to probably lead to your death because that's before, it like people straining it's all downhill toilet. people straining on the toilet like not being strong enough to take a shit like it kills people <laughs> like that literally kills people like as funny as it is like that literally kills people yeah and and, one, and one of the things that's in that's in the guidelines is to is don't underdose exercise for the elderly resistance exercise because they need it, they need to build muscle, they need to build strength, whereas a lot of the time, you know, the approach to exercise in the elderly is, oh, take it easy, be careful, and it's like, it's not helping them, it's not helping Stop them. Stop 300 kilos on your back, <laughs> squat it down, Mary, and come back up, like. Yeah, and, and, then, and then similarly, like, to that discussion, it's like, it, it, this is why different healthcare professions need to know the role of each other, because, like, if you're a physio then, and you're having, doing this exercise intervention, but the person isn't eating enough calories or protein or anything, it's like, again, you're kind of, Wait, yeah, wasting time um so basically it should be holistic yeah an, an interdisciplinary <laughs> team would be the best but again like that we're not gonna we're, we're not gonna stage a military coup and take over the country well, not in the next month I'm yeah like multidisciplinary teams like that is the way healthcare is managed but obviously it's just the, yeah, it's more, not always yeah, perfect especially exactly, in primary care exactly right and um, so as an individual you can still do a lot like i don't want you to come away from this discussion and go like oh well look the system's fucked, so fuck it. Like, there's nothing I can do. Like, as an individual, you can still take control of your health. You can still, to whatever extent, like, I'm not saying that you can take control of your health and never get cancer or cure your own cancer or whatever the fuck, right? Like, <clears throat> that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, however, is you can look after what you can look after. You can eat enough vegetables. You can eat a well-balanced diet. You can eat a calorie-appropriate diet. And that literally ticks the boxes for so many things for so little input that you would be stupid not to actually try, at least try, you know? Now, obviously, it's going to be hard for some people. It's going to be easier for others. That's just the nature of the world. No, it's not equal, unfortunately, right? Um. So if you're ta- if you were to say to an individual, is there anything else you would add to that? Like, that we we can't change the medical system. So, do I listen to these nutritionist medicine people? Do I do I just go okay, cool? I'm just going to listen and then defer to a doctor when I need to, or 